0: Dear sports fans, elevate your game to the next level with a Toyota truck. Drive the crowd favorite Tacoma. This versatile playmaker is ready to own the weekend. Choose the tailgating MVP, the Toyota Tundra. This is one vehicle that comes up clutch. Or ride in the adventurous 4Runner, a true champion on and off the road. Whichever truck you choose, you're getting a real winner. Come join the team of champions, Toyota trucks. Visit Toyota.com to learn more or check out your local Toyota dealership today. Toyota, let's go places.
1: Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Now Strava Craft Coffee can be delivered to your doorstep every two, four, six, or eight weeks. And when you get it that way, it's going to be 25% off. Or if you're a first time user and just want to dip your toe into that water, you can get 25% off using code DNVR25 at StravaCraftCoffee.com. I am your host, Patrick Lyons, coming to you live live on tape that is live on record from Scottsdale Arizona down in spring training covering the Colorado Rockies hopefully all of you have already been following along with your memberships to the dnvr.com now only 50 cents for your first month or you're enjoying all the free content we have on the podcast probably checked out the fantastic emergency podcast we had live on Thursday go over to the YouTube channel and check that out on the DNVR Sports Channel, or the great free content we have on Twitter, at DNVR underscore Rockies. I'm trying to break plenty of news over on my end, at Patrick D. Lyons. And you know, you've seen the footage already down here at Salt River Fields. Players are starting to report to camp. It's a very, very exciting time. And not just because baseball is back, but it's because spring has sprung. It's about to get nicer. We're about to have the wonderful distraction that is our Major League Baseball, and we're going to have our Colorado Rockies. We've got a squad coming back, pretty much everyone from last year, except, obviously, two of the bigger pieces in Trevor Story, in John Gray. But the young guys are a little bit older, a little bit more experienced. And if you haven't heard, the Rockies did sign three new players. I'll get to that in just a second. All of this before... The conversation with Kyle Newman of the Denver Post. Full disclosure, we did record this on Thursday, just ahead of the announcement that the lockout had been ended. All 30 owners ratified the new CBA. A lot of interesting wrinkles with the collective bargaining agreement that we will touch on a little bit here and there over the course of spring training in the season. Nothing too impactful. And many times when it comes to these new agreements, it really takes some time before we realize the benefits, the pros, the cons of all of these various little wrinkles that goes on with the CBA. But nevertheless, the most important thing is baseball is back. We've got opening day in Colorado. Rockies opening here at home on April 8th. First time in a little while they'll be doing that against the Los Angeles Dodgers just three and a half weeks away. We're halfway through spring training, believe it or not, even though we're halfway through the month of March, just going to have that delayed start on April 8th against the Dodgers at home at Coors Field. Originally the time was 2:10 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. We'll find out if that's the case. Actually, it's Mountain Daylight Time as we know now. We've got that extra hour in the evening of sun. Got to love that. Another tip letting us know that Baseball and springtime is on its way. For anyone heading down to spring training, looks like March 17th, Thursday, just a couple of days from now, it's gonna be the first spring training game that will be against the Diamondbacks, a tradition carried on between the two organizations who share Salt River Fields. They'll actually be at Salt River Fields the next day on Friday, March 18th, as the Diamondbacks are the home team and the Rockies. Are the visitors? So the first four games are going to be down here in Scottsdale. Not sure of what the TV situation is going to be, or even play-by-play situation. I know sometimes it can even be hard on the MLB app just to get play-by-play games. We'll keep you in touch with what's going on with that as soon as we know. I am hearing AT&T Sportsnet may have a few games towards the end of spring training, warming up there. Television content. This weekend is supposed to be the big league weekend in Las Vegas, March 18th and 19th, against the Diamondbacks. Everything that I've heard is it's still a wait and see kind of situation. Now, it's not listed on the updated spring training schedule, but it also hasn't been canceled. So I can't really say either way if it's going to go on or not. My thought is they probably will have it simply because there doesn't appear to be any reason to cancel it. The general issue of getting players out there to to show up, jump on a plane, get ready for spring training. Typically, they would have been a lot closer to ready for the season. Now they're going to be back at camp essentially about a week or less. So I could see that happening. But all you need is a couple guys to jump on a plane. Maybe even you do it back and forth. You've got... You get McMahon and Marquez on Friday the 18th, and then on Saturday it's Blackman, Sensatella, and Brendan Rodgers. Some combination of that on Saturday. And so a little bit of each, so not everyone is is getting bogged down by that kind of travel. But we'll kind of wait and see what happens with that. Rockies have 19 games. During the Cactus League play, 11 games at home, 12 on the road, tied for the most of any team. The White Sox only have 17 games, if you don't count split squad games, which I really don't because typically when you've got split squad games, it just means your veteran players that are going to be on the 40-man roster are going to stay at home, and you're going to ship out some of the better, younger players on the road to play against Major League talent to get themselves ready for the major league season. All right. I alluded to it already. Three new signings. Shortstop. Jose Iglesias has been reported to have signed with the Rockies. No word on how much that one year pact is worth. We did see the Cubs sign Angleton Simmons for one year, $4 million. So I imagine Iglesias probably won't have topped that all. I'll go ahead and throw out a guess of one year, 3 million and Alex Colomay. A guy who is just a straight-up closer, a guy that has that skill that we haven't seen in maybe a generation or so, sort of a Jose Mesa. I mean, maybe even Lee Smith you can toss in, not that he's a Hall of Fame kind of caliber player, but Alex Colomay is straight-up a closer. He might live on a tight wire a little bit. He might do that thing that Daniel Barr did somewhat of the first half of the season with the Rockies in 2021 or Throughout 2020, where he's putting runners on and making it interesting when you really don't want it to be. But he can deal with that. He's been in that spot. I've said it time and time again since I've been down here. The last six years, Alex Colomay has 155 saves. That's fourth most in all of baseball. That's pretty damn good. So he's essentially been a plus wins above average type player. ERA plus, almost always over 100. So he's very interesting. 33-year-old relief pitcher has been bouncing around all over the place. Think of him just as the closer version of CJ Crone. Crone was brought in, thought to be a good fit, if healthy, and he absolutely was. Had a very good season. Brought him back on a two-year $14.5 million deal. Similar instance with Colum A. He's been around the block. One-year deal. Hey, closeout games. Now you can use the best of Estevez and Bard in the se- seventh, in the seventh and eighth inning. And you know what? If it doesn't work out with Colome, and maybe it doesn't even work out with one of the veteran guys, one of the youngsters can slide up a spot. It's just a very good depth piece. Not a guy that's going to contend for the sixth or seventh inning. We're talking about a ninth inning guy. So I think that fills a, a pretty significant hole. We'll wait and see about the outfielders. So many names been kicked around. I've got the next week to let you know what I think about those outfielders. So stay tuned in because I think some of them are definitely not a good fit. Not because the player doesn't fit, but because the player's situation doesn't. Again, we will get to that this week. Final guy that was picked up Outfielder Scott Schebler, minor league invite, a guy who I think in 2016, was it, or 2017, hit 30 home runs, only 67 RBI that season. But a guy who has some pop, hasn't really done it too much at the big league level. If he earns a roster spot, they will need to make room for him on the 40-man roster. Otherwise, maybe he'll stick around and play down in Albuquerque as the A club could always use some depth. Well, look, that's the long and short of it here. I want to get to this conversation with Kyle Newman, get into some interesting things all about the Rockies' inner workings with the front office, Dick Monfort, Walker Monfort, the Rockies Hall of Fame, you name it. And keep it tuned in because this week it's going to be a lot of really fun conversations. Hoping to bring you some player interviews. Already spoke with Todd Helton, Lucas Gilbreth, Garrett Hampson on the record, several guys off the record going forward. It's exciting. Baseball is back. We'll see what happens with the Rockies. They may not be world beaters, but guess what? They're going to be entertaining. They always are. And if we're talking about entertaining, we're talking about the watch parties down on the corner of Colfax and York at the DNVR bar, where your membership gets you a bigger beer, a member sized beer at the DNVR bar. You get extra raffle tickets at all of our watch parties to get an opportunity to win some free gear we've got gear we've got special rates on gear too sometimes when you're down there we have a members only discord where you can chat with everyone in our community and if you haven't already seen some of the great footage of previous broncos tailgates or the nuggets party bus we've got that going on and we're working on some things for the rockies both watch parties both party bus stuff we'll have to see what happens going forward but make sure You are a member of the dnvr.com. Now only 50 cents for your first month. And if you don't come down to the bar, well, that's okay. Because you can actually watch the Nuggets and Avs from home now. Yes. Did you know that? Ivaca TV is the solution for watching Nuggets and Avalanche games as well as Rockies. Yes. Now the Rockies can be seen on Ivaca TV. Here's where you want to go. avacatv slash dnvr up and down the rocky mountain region denver colorado springs phoenix you name it zero hidden fees or contracts it's just 25 dollars per month plus receiver and your price is locked in for two years with ivaca tv you never have to worry again about missing out on nuggets abs or rockies they have also have rapids mammoth as well as csu rams and denver pioneers all on ivaca tv check it out now ivaca.tv slash dnvr my DraftKings Sportsbook Pick of the Week is a little early on the baseball stuff I was looking at MLS games and I said Patrick you can actually talk about baseball it's starting to rev up it's starting to gear up it's very exciting so many cool prop bets right now Over on DraftKings Sportsbook, they've really opened up and expanded. You could bet on whether or not a team makes the playoffs. And so that's where I'm going today. A really good value pick. Got to make sure I get my share of the Minnesota Twins going to the postseason. That's it. Will they go to the postseason? I'm saying yes at plus 300. You've already seen them swing two trades. They got shortstop Isaiah Kainafalefa to replace Angelton Simmons. They also acquired Sonny Gray, a front of the rotation starter from the Cincinnati Reds. So right now, in what is very much a weak division in the AL Central, I do like Cleveland. Chicago White Sox are the team to beat. Detroit's a little bit better. Kansas City, well, they're a baseball team. I can say that. But in a division that is not terribly great, I think Minnesota can beat up on teams. And don't forget, there are six teams now in the MLB postseason. Plunk it down. Get your shares on my DraftKings Sportsbook, Pick of the Week, plus 300 Minnesota Twins to make the postseason. Joining me today on the DNVR Rockies podcast is a special guest, a man who's been following the Rockies, well, frankly, his entire life. It's Kyle Newman of the Denver Post. What's going on, buddy?
2: Patrick, thanks for having me here appreciate uh, us talking some baseball. Do you
1: think the me- how how do you think the media has been covering it? Has it been almost too optimistic? Have they been just really repeating uh ad nauseum that their sources, whether it's, you know, the player side or the owner side, just trying to get their narrative out there? Has it, you know, been too positive maybe?
2: It, it's kind of been a hodgepodge. You know, I I, yeah. I hesitate to criticize too much cuz you know, props to ESPN and, you know, USA Today, Bob Nightingale and, you know, uh, Washington Post, I know has been doing a lot of reporting, The Athletic, just all the all the uh, folks who have boots on the ground had. were at the Jupiter Talks and now covering this latest round. It's It's been a PR battle, that's for sure. I mean, personally, I think the players are winning this one. Now, if we go back to 2020 before the pandemic, that back and forth, they both look bad, in my opinion. But now, as we get further along here, especially, you know, you, you saw Scherzer tweet out last night, hey, please, fans, hang in there with us. Like, we're trying. Um, I, I think that sentiment sentiment is uh, getting through to fans at least more than the billionaire owners and just everything that's gone on. And let's not forget, as the union has reminded us many times, the owners enacted this lockout uh, on December 1st or 2nd, whatever it was. And here we are in day 90-something of the lockout. And still, the finish line is closer, but it's not quite in sight, in my opinion. So in terms of media coverage, I think MLBPA is winning the PR war. But does the PR war ultimately matter in the, the long-term damage of the game? No. And, you know, I'm a baseball diehard. You are, Patrick. But I think fact of the matter is baseball is going to lose some fans over this. And, you know, in 94-95, they had the labor stoppage. And then they had the old shot in the butt with the steroid era era to get them back on track, baseball, to get baseball booming again. Well, they're not going to have that magic pill again. So um, how they recover from this, how the game recovers from this, it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully it's young stars, Otani, et cetera, on down the line, carry it through. But there will be some negative ripple effects for sure coming out of this lockout.
1: I haven't said this on the podcast yet, but maybe magic pill. is is the right word, because I think baseball does have the magic pill. And I think maybe it's, it's, I'm giving them too much credit for being these masterminds, but you're right, Kyle. We're we're not going to have a a PED explosion going on where there's going to be players hitting, multiple players hitting 70 plus home runs. But Major League Baseball controls how the baseballs are made in the Rawlings plant. They own Baseballs, they, they, they own the production of those. And we've known what's gone on in the past with the baseballs being a bit juiced and baseball needs to do that. They very well could juice up the baseballs. Now, that would obviously be a big scandal. And, and we know people are a lot more aware of it than in the past. I don't think you would. You know, send certain boxes to certain stadiums versus others, and and give favoritism so that an Aaron Judge is the guy who hits eighty home runs. You know, it would just have to really be everywhere. But but still, that could be a way that they could control that storyline to maybe get fans back if they were so desperate. Crazier things have happened, but I, I hey, could do something like that going down.
2: If you're a conspiracy theorist, yeah, absolutely. And what was it, 2019? Right, was the year of the yeah. juice ball and. That was certainly a hot topic. Um, yeah, the fact that happened, what you said could happen. You know, you, you don't really have to be a conspiracy theorist to believe, oh, yeah, Major League Baseball, juice up the balls. Yeah, probably. Yeah, they do that. Yeah, get and pump a little excitement back in the game. Piss off Max Scherzer a little bit. <laughs> yeah, they, they would do that. Um, but, yeah, I think the balls certainly were, weren't weren't, continued watching as we go forward here, because ever since it became clear of, Oh, who controls the means of production on these? And um, how, how did this happen of, of, you know, and all the reports that came out of 2019, that's certainly something I I, I wouldn't be surprised if that did happen again.
1: Yeah. Dr. Meredith Wills is, is someone who's, who's on top of that and getting all samples from different games and dissecting them. It's impressive.
2: Yeah. I mean, her alone, like she, she like did so much reporting on that topic alone that was eye opening. You're like, oh, she just blew this thing open. Like, thank you. Okay. No matter what the commissioner says, we'll go back to the doctor here and her report. Yeah. This, this seems more accurate.
1: And I'm glad it's someone who is a doctor, too. Cause, yes. go, well, no, the doctor said it. So, <laughs> no, the, no, not yeah. just some
2: sports writer, not just some, some crazy guy who sits up there with a pin in the scorebook. Okay. <laughs> this is a doctor.
1: That's right. It's It's officially, Official and you know one of our guys here, uh, we put quotation marks around "guy." Well, he's he's from Denver. He's he's part of the Colorado Rockies, so we know him well. Dick Monfort obviously has played a a, a huge part in this um, as as one of the the lead in, in on the on the owner side, and he's injected himself in there. And so again, nationally, Colorado, here we are in the middle of of no man's land, the only one in this time zone, and nationally, people are starting to to take more of an eye on him and, and how he's been going about things. And he's really been kind of the perfect foil in all of this, where he represents an owner who is, you know, controls a small to mid market team, but still goes out and spends money, but is also somewhat cash strapped. And so he kind of is the perfect guy to put out there. How, how do you think he's looked uh, in general terms throughout most of this, uh, considering everything that's been going on?
2: Well, certainly. I mean, I don't think it's helped uh, his own PR, especially no. as he's trying to get his own organization back on its feet after giving away its star player for $51 million and some peanuts. And then the, you know, the GM head and tail out of town a couple months after that. So obviously there's been a lot going on in Rocky land the last couple of years that hasn't helped um, Dick Monfort's reputation. And let's be honest, the, you know, the nepotism, whether it's perceived or whether it's true, uh, it certainly is perceived with, with Walker Monfort and then Sterling Monfort getting the recent promotion. And I will say, you know, Sterling Monfort, I know personally, and, and he has worked from the ground up in that organization. You know, the, the critique of Dick Monfort is that, oh, he's, he runs the team like a fan. He's, he's a cattle guy, not a baseball guy. Well, he's raised his son to, sons to be baseball guys. Let's at least give him credit for that. All the sons have, have grown up you know, within the organization and Sterling being the epitome of that uh, going through from the field crew all the way up now to to the scouting and and the front office being part of the front office. But back to your question, Patrick, Uh, it's been a tough role for Dick Monfort to take on and who knows what is going on in the negotiations behind closed doors. And and if if Dick Monfort has been a, a roadblock to getting this new CBA done or if maybe he's been a more reasonable voice in the room and said, hey, guys, we can't lose games. We can't lose the trust of the players. even though it's probably already happened. Who knows uh, what, what that's, what that's looking like, but he certainly has had a central role in this. So, uh, you know, if, if we're at Dick on right now and say, Hey Dick, let's, let's get it moving in there, you know, because it's not just Dick Monfort's reputation that's hurting. As I mentioned earlier, it's all the owners who are taking a huge hit right now and, and really costing themselves fans and, yeah, Dick Monfort pretty much has like a bulletproof beacon in Coors Field where it's going to draw fans no matter what, even after this lockout, even if the Rockies are fighting for fourth place in the division. But Monfort's got a spearhead, you know, as as the chair of the labor board, he's got to be one of those guys in that room today, tomorrow, going forward here to help get that deal done. It's it's hard, It's tough to judge him, though, having not been a fly on the wall you know, maybe some stuff will come out later. Maybe the players will bring out more stuff as as this drags on. But I'll be interested to see if he is a roadblock or, or a peacemaker in this deal. And it's tough to say.
1: Yeah, in a weird way, you, you could kind of imagine him as a peacemaker because
2: right
1: he, he's got a lot to lose just as much as anyone else. And we're not even talking about just Coors Field. There's the whole McGregor Square business right next door that's impacting his pocketbook. So he's going to be a guy like, hey, come on, let's – Let's give the players a little bit more because we're currently giving them nothing.
2: Yeah. That's what makes me think like almost in my gut, maybe, maybe it's wrong, but in my gut, I'm like, I don't know. I I don't think he wants this to to drag on. Like he's not an owner who has a big television contract to lean back on. And then, like you said, his significant personal investment in the entertainment complex attached to Coors Field now in McGregor square, that's just sitting empty now through the first couple of weeks of April, probably, as we mentioned, into May, that's going to kill him. Like, he needs that. So I, I hope he's being a peacemaker.
1: What has been your early impression so far of McGregor Square? I know you got to see it a lot last year. Really, the All-Star break and the the All-Star game and all that festivities, that was kind of the first opportunity. We got a chance to really get our eyes on it, you know, all the, all the inner workings and whatnot. Looks like a beautiful facility. How, how do you think it's been going so far just as a, as a location, just as a destination to go to. And if you know anything about the financials, how that possibly impacts the Rockies, because they will, they want to say that, no, that's just a separate thing. Even though when, when you head to the website, there's a lot of, a lot of crosstalk between it being a, a Rockies facility, but it's also not, it's, it's the best of both worlds as far as what they would try to have you believe.
2: Yeah i'm uh not in tune to financials i don't have sources leaking me spreadsheets but i can pretty confidently say they're definitely intertwined i mean it's the stadium entertainment complex right next to the stadium taking on the new age form sun trust park et al you know this is what dick mofford is doing it's clear i don't fault him for it but now of course their official stance has to be the club is the club and That's that. But no, Dick Monfort and the Monfort family is the one owning all of it. So, of course, it's intertwined. Impressions of McGregor Square. I mean, I like it. I like uh, a lot of the historical references, references to October mixed in there. The Rally Hotel, just walking through it seems pretty cool. Um, I have not eaten or dined at any of the places in there admittedly and that's just because every time I've gone there it's been slammed and also I'm mostly working so um but I like the vibe I think definitely an upgrade over a parking lot right (laughs) uh one complaint I do have though the evolution of the ball sculpture as you recall from the old one coop walkway as you walked right before the bridge over to the stadium there was a, like an arcway and it had all these balls It was called evolution on the ball well anyways if you want to learn more about that sculpture i did a story on it last year or a couple years ago whenever this mcgregor square was being built and basically they they kind of just were like all right sorry artists we're like shh, we're taking this out of here and i was walking in downtown a couple of weeks ago i saw still in the rockies parking lot like one of the far lots like sectioned and fenced off still in like all these pieces. It's
1: of on course, Blake. It's on Blake yeah. too. I see you can see right it. off
2: Blake. You can see it from the street. Yeah. Of course they told the artists, Yeah, we got a plan. It's gonna go here, maybe here. Yeah, well, eh, it's not looking like it's going anywhere. And and hey, as a baseball fan, as an as an artsy guy, I always appreciated that. I remember it's one of the first things I remember about the stadium walking in when I was a kid is seeing all those balls and everything. Now, kudos to the Rockies. They've done a good job relocating all the bricks and the uh, brick baseball diamond. Remember, that used to be on, on the walkway there. They've located that to the south side, immediate south side of the stadium, just kind of away from the Branch Rickey statue. But, yeah, I, I, I like to see that evolution of the ball sculpture back. And speaking of statues, I know uh, you've probably tweeted about this, too, but it is time for Todd Helton clinches final out to go the world series statue maybe sometime soon maybe when he gets uh sent into cooperstown as he seems to be on his way thank you larry walker and spongebob but um ranting now here but i do i do like mcgregor square overall hopefully we'll have some baseball fans in there soon going to actual baseball games
1: I've been one of the many people. There's several of them out there. Rocks pile, purple row, banging the drum about a, a Rockies, you know, team Hall of Fame, and just having more about the history of the organization. Some sculptures out there. I mean, Cargo has a very statuesque swing. You know, you could have something with him out there as well. But when the announcement was first made about McGregor Square, whenever it was last year, there there was supposed to be a Hall of Fame inside of McGregor square and in the entryway of the hotel, they have like a wall of some cool artifacts, but it's not fully a hall of fame. It's supposed to be coming in 2022 on the second floor of, of one of the buildings. I don't know if it's the hotel exactly, but there's supposed to be a hall of fame there. It's long overdue. And if that doesn't happen, that's, that's a crime. I mean, you're a Colorado native guy, so you, you know, the history of the team and you go, Oh, you don't have to win a world series. You don't have to have copious amounts of hall of famers to have a great history or to have great people and great players, a part of that history. And that's just, it's something that the team and Dick Monfort himself needs to acknowledge more because he really doesn't.
2: So they got like the on club level, right at course field, they've got those casings in the hallway, which that's really kind of like the most, History, they've got now that on the main concourse, they've got some banners for like silver sluggers and gold gloves, etc. But you're right. Hey, don't don't say you're building McGregor Square and say there's gonna be a team hall of fame and then have one wall inside the Rally Hotel. Patrick Lyons is gonna check you on that. That's not a Hall of Fame. Okay. So, yes, I would love to see a Hall of Fame come to McGregor Square. That would that would up it for me. Cause right now, to me, this is my one hesitation, this is my one biggest critique of McGregor Square, is that it's a great little baseball environment you've great walking through you see some of the pillars some of the history some rocktober memories but it's it's more of a obviously a retail commercial space as it's designed to it's designed. you come in you spend your money um now i imagine the rockies hall of fame will probably have a cost of admission too but i'm much more inclined to spend 10 or 15 bucks in there as opposed to uh one of those let's be honest higher priced Denver eateries bars within McGregor square. Uh, Not to say I wouldn't stop there for a beer with one of my buddies right before the game, probably will do that, but I would like to see a little more baseball flavor, baseball history in it too. And Hey, one final note on McGregor square is it's still got a throwback right there on the corner at the light out um, on the opposite side of the stadium is Joel Watkins, hot, hot dog stand, diamond dogs. And he's got the rainbow umbrella, been at Coors Field every single year since it opened. And he's a staple. You got to check him out. Speaking of cheap, he's never raised his prices or maybe he's raised his prices by maybe a quarter in like 25 years or so. So he's one of the staples I always go to with my son and my family. And there's usually, you know, a line, but he's got an assistant. You're in the in and out in five minutes. You've got your dogs, your brats everything can take into the stadium. So that would be my suggestion. And then enjoy the ambiance of, of McGregor Square as you walk through it with your bag of hot dogs and chips.
1: Yeah, instead of buying maybe a whole meal for your family, every person in your group can buy a book from the, the tattered cover. And you go, yeah, there you go. You better bang for your buck and you're supporting the local business in uh, more than one way, especially the, the hot dog vendor there. That's, love that. Yeah, yeah. We, I, I miss having the hot dogs uh, before and, and during the game because – since the pandemic, as you know, uh, we, we, the press is not taken care of the way it used to be. I try to fill my tummy on the M&Ms and the Chex Mix and, and potato chips.
2: Boy, you know, you think the press, the Rockies press would just be, you know, served up ribeye and fish. But no, it's, it's bare bones back there in, in the lunchroom. That's why I packed my lunch, Patrick. You got to bring your lunchbox, your kid's lunchbox. If you don't have a lunchbox, then you just mooch off the employee fridge in the back room. Ooh. It won't give you some looks, but you got to keep your stuff cold, you know?
1: That's true. When, everyone knows if, if you see a Gogurt wrapper lying around somewhere, you go, Oh, Kyle was at the ballpark today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That-
2: that is true. Or, or the animals, the animals container, too. Yeah.
1: Sometimes yeah. I'll see a Lunchables lid and go, oh, I must have <laughs> missed Kyle today.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, bummer.
1: Got to tell you real quick about the fast-acting dissolvable gummies from Ripple, clinically proven to hit two times faster than the leading gummy because absorption happens within 10 minutes every single time. With Ripple dissolvables, you can also turn anything into an edible because of the flavorless and dissolvable powders. Look for Ripple at Lightshade, Colorado's premier dispensary with 10 soon-to-be-11 convenient Denver metro area locations, offering something for everyone from the casual consumer to the connoisseur. Lightshade has the premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flowers, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. Podcast listeners, you can get 25% off non-sale items when you use code DNVR. Shop online at LightShade.com for pickup or visit a LightShade location near you. If you were at any of those Broncos tailgate parties this past year, you already know about Sexy Pizza. If you don't, you should know that Sexy Pizza has spent 13 years in the Denver community. And they've got locations in Capitol Hill, Old South Pearl, Jefferson Park, and Park Hill. Sexy Pizza is as local as it gets. We're talking hand-tossed deck oven pizza with made-from-the-scratch each morning dough. What I love most about Sexy Pizza is that they donate to a range of different nonprofits right here in Colorado. Sexy Pizza can also support your organization or event. Just go to www.sexy.pizza. Check out their about page for the donations link to see how Sexy Pizza can support your cause. Well, Speaking of kind of bringing back and, and acknowledging history, it was really nice to see Cargo, Todd Helton, and Pedro Stasio down in Scottsdale at Minor League Camp working with the, the young guys this year at spring training. Again, something that was just so long overdue to have these guys and, and, again, just kind of pass the torch and really acknowledge the history of the franchise and say, hey, no, the Rockies have had some really quality ballplayers. How great was it to see those guys come back this past week?
2: That was awesome. And, you know, honestly, I was sad I wasn't there. Were, were you there, Patrick? Or?
1: No, I'm going uh, this week. Yeah.
2: Oh, awesome! Okay, well, yeah. So Patrick Saunders was there for the Denver Post this past week, and uh, of course, heard read all his report and everyone else's report about Helton and Cargo and Asasio being back in camp. I love that personally having those greats, and especially in minor league camp. You know, yes. these 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 minor leaguers, especially a, a lot of the young Latin guys, a lot of the young high school guys who have just been drafted, even some of the college guys who are still raw. They're they are a lot more moldable and impressionable than the guys you'll see in in major league camp. You know, I think if Cargo, Helton, and Astacio roll into major league camp and be more like, oh, like uh, some of these cool guys are here, you know, as opposed to in the minor league camp, it's like, oh, some of these cool legends are here and they're about to impart some wisdom. Let's soak it up like a sponge. Hoping that's what's going on, especially considering some of the uh, promising names in Rockies minor league camp. Zach Veen, Drew Romo, Michael Tolia, being among them, and hey, is, that's what that's what I'm wondering is is Todd Helton pulling Michael Tolia aside, and, you know, whispering in his ear a little bit. That's that's what I'm hoping is is Pedro Astacio uh, getting Ryan Rollson and saying, hey, listen, you know, if you could just get a little more spin on it, a little more action off your fingers, you know, is, is Cargo pulling Zach Veen aside, being like, hey, on your routes out here, you got gotta take this route instead of this route, you know, in the box you know, let that swing be a little sweeter. Okay. Watch my lefty swing, you know, like that's what I, I I'm hoping. And I'm picturing all these little moments. And so I think it's great that those guys are back in the Rockies org.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I love seeing you rubbing your hands together. Cause you're just, you're excited by this. And I, I want to talk about the prospects in a second, but is there anyone else that you would love to see back at camp? And again, the, the less talented of a player, the better. Cause you go, well, Larry Walker, he's, he's a Hall of famer, bring him in, whether it's the major leaguers or the minor leaguers, whatever it is, we know the superstars, but is there someone who you just, you appreciate whether you got to, to talk with them on the beat or Hey, you were just a fan when, when you were a kid, this was your guy and had some good moments, had some good seasons, bring this guy back and, and, and impart some of that wisdom on the next generation.
2: Well, I think, I mean, all the Blake Street bom- Bombers are certainly eligible. You mentioned Walker, Castilla, obviously already with the organization. Ellis Burks has a coaching gig with, with the Giants, I believe. So he's already got it. Uh, Bichette, I know, has in the past been a little bit with the Rockies, but he's been watching his sons play. So in any of those guys, bringing those guys back, and then... And then you,
1: know, and then you have to send out a search team for Andres Galarraga. Because yeah, oh, yeah. I, he's I, just I, MIA.
2: I forgot to mention the big cat because yeah, I, he's MIA. Yes, I've I've tried to interview him like three hundred times. Never been able to get a hold of him, and I, I don't feel bad because Patrick Saunders has not been able to hold him. Manny Rendawa for his book, the Blake Street Bombers book, couldn't get a hold of him. So <laughs> I don't think the big cat's coming to spring training anytime soon. Um, but to answer your question, beyond those. Those guys, and I think Ellis Burks, who, whose name I blinked on just a second ago, but he's I've seen him in action with the Giants on some road trips to the Rockies, and, and he's a phenom- phenomenal teacher, motivator up close. Uh, I, another name that comes to mind is, I know he's a little busy, is Troy Tulewitzki, and he's, he's won some coaching awards with, with USA Baseball, now with Texas and University of Texas, and he's a guy who's really leaned into his coaching career, you know, like, talk about kind of some things left desired in his playing career with all the injuries he went through and how it ended, uh, he might turn into a pretty dang good coach. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he makes the jump so major soon and starts, you know, as eventually works his way up to bench coach and, and maybe even a manager one day, I would not be surprised about that. So Troy too though. And then, uh, kind of looking forward a little bit down the line, maybe in five years, six, seven years, Charlie Blackman, I mean, he's one of my all-time favorite Rockies. You're looking for a guy to instill no-nonsense work ethic, this is what it takes, like, look no further than Charlie Blackman. That's one of the things I appreciate most about him and seeing his process up close is, yeah, you and me, Patrick, might be waiting till like, 1230 at night, 1 a.m., just for a damn quote from Chuck Nasty. You know, he hit, he hit the game-winning home run. What is he doing? Like, what, he can't talk to us? Oh, he's he's working out, and he has to eat. It, like he has this very regimented routine, and it's actually not because he's big, lean us Even though he is, he's not hiding somewhere. He comes in dripping sweat. And he's ripping the tape off his wrists. He's like, "All right, let's do this." Like, and that's what I appreciate about him. So, so to long-winded answer, Chuck Nasty will be a great asset to the Rockies sometime in the very near future after he's done playing. They should definitely keep him at the fold.
1: All I- right. Great answer, yeah, Charlie, and he delivers too. When he comes in, he he delivers with those quotes too. But he'll also oh, yeah. let you know if you ask a bad question,
2: yeah, i like, work n- with you. Uh, no, Patrick, actually, no. Did you check the box score on that? No, no. Yeah. Next
1: question. <laughs> he's he's an absolute riot. All right, well, Kyle, let's let's talk a little bit about a side project, maybe I guess you could call it there. Uh, Kyle Newman of the Denver Post and of Baseball America. Got a, got a nice little gig there covering the prospects. Have you always been a big prospects guy? I'm guessing probably because, again, you got really excited talking about, oh, man, Cargo working with Veen, uh, your Vitorial, but potentially working with like a Drew Romo. You know, like I, I could see the excitement in your eyes. It was really cool to to see you working with Baseball America in that uh, undertaking for their, their top prospects list.
2: Yeah, that was an awesome opportunity I got this year to write their – prospects list for their baseball handbook for their prospect handbook it's called and you should definitely order that online if you have it cuz it's not just the Rockies obviously all all the teams top to bottom you know 1 through 30 intense scouting reports especially on the top 10 but to answer your question i have always been just really interested in the minor leagues and covering the minor leagues one as you guys know there's, there's a void there, not very many people cover it. Two, it's pretty high interest to those who really follow baseball or Rockies diehards. Um, and number three, this is probably my favorite part, is you actually get to know the players. You know, by the time they come up to the big leagues, say for your really personable Ryan McMahon, you know, those type of players, they're, they're guarded, they're, they're media savvy, You know, they know how to deflect questions. They know how to give you what you need, but not really give you much, you know, but in the minor leagues, there's still kind of an open book. You can still get to know them personally. You can still get to kind of figure out what drives them, um, what frustrates them, who they really are as a player. Now, of course, the tougher part about this is don't really get to see a lot of these guys in action. You know, I'm not driving to uh, Fresno or Spokane or Hartford or even Albuquerque all that much, if at all, if ever. So a lot of this is talking with the prospects, with the prospects managers, uh, with the farm director who is now Chris Forbes, pretty good guy for the Rockies. So really love covering minor leagues. And to end this rant here, the Rockies have some promise in the lower minor leagues. Yes. Their farm system is widely rated in the bottom 10 of baseball. But if you look at the low a level, high a level from last year lots of promising names and some guys coming up creeping up in double a triple a i.e michael tolia who we mentioned so lots of promise there and, and you hope as a rockies fan it translates down the line now the big question mark is starting pitching there's kind of a dearth of fide starting pitching prospects especially those who are knocking on the door um, besides ryan Rollins, it's it's kind of pretty meek after that so some question marks there, but a lot to be intrigued about and promise about in the lower minor leagues for the Rockies.
1: I was a little surprised with how low the Rockies were in a lot of the top 30 organizational rankings because of, as you said, how good they are at the lower level. But again, it's kind of to the point where, you know, some people think, you know, the Rockies are maybe not treated as fairly with their prospects and, I really wouldn't go that far. It's it's ultimately these prospect rankings have a lot to do with how close a player is to the majors like that. That's a big thing. There's so many questions when you're at low a or high a that you need to overcome where you could be the MVP at, you know, in the Northwest league, but you still got two more levels to go just to get to the majors. And by the time you reach there, you might just be, you know, a league average player. So there's still so much more, to project and so much more what if. And so because of that, because they're still so far away, there's a lot of room for maybe disappoint for lack of a better term. And so you you kind of understand, all right, well, give it another year or two. Again, that potential is there. But now, you know, going into next offseason, you'll have as you said Tolia will be at like the AAA level. We're going to see so many more guys from Spokane's team from last year, they're going to be at double a this year with Brenton Doyle. And you'll have all the guys that were in the complex league, you know, finally playing in in Fresno and traveling, being on the buses, maybe even going up to Spokane in high a, so they will be a lot closer to the majors. And you say, okay, now this is a group that should be somewhere in the mid to high teens. And Hey, they had another good draft. Hey, they got Diane George from the international market, a big Cuban shortstop. And so it, it takes a little bit of time, to kind of recorrect and and course correct to say, okay, this is an organization that, that has a lot more promise in the future. It's just that they're that far away at this point right now here in 2022.
2: Well, when you hit it on the head, Patrick, I mean, I've heard it time and time again from scouts, scouting directors, prospect is not a prospect until he's in double A. Before then he's, he's just a guy. He's just a number. Look at the odds. Look at the statistics. Now, does that apply to necessarily Zach Bean or Drew Romo? No, because those are one percenters. But for the majority of the guys, you ain't done nothing yet until you get made to double-A. Then double-A, make it or break it level. Then you get to triple-A, and that's a whole nother game with all these veterans who are there and guys who have service time and are trying to get back, in addition to you trying to break into the big leagues. So, yeah, just give it some time for the Rockies. And that's another thing the Rockies defense, too. You look at their Prospect rankings, you know, five, six years ago, before they had graduated a lot of their talent to a big leagues i.e., Trevor Story, Ryan McMahon, even Nolan Arnato going back a little bit ways. Um, before they graduated, all those guys, they ranked a lot higher. Now, not yeah. ever top 10. They're not pay- keeping pace with the Dodgers or the Padres, that's for sure, but they were middle of the pack and they were producing a lot of the tenants in the lineup we see now, pretty much the whole rotation, even, you know, Herman Marcus. Yes, they traded for him, but they developed them for most of the time. So give the Rockies some time. They'll, they'll, their prospect rankings, I think, will rise here in the next few years. Now, what they do going forward is key. What Bill Schmidt does is in his tenure, I think you really got to put an emphasis, like I said, on starting pitching talent because you're, you're at the big league level. The Rockies obviously are not going to attract veteran guys who want to come here, and they're not going to pony up for him. I mean, you got to draft and develop. There more than any other position on the diamond, so that's got to be a point of emphasis for them going forward.
1: Do you think that they've somehow figured it out, quote unquote, with these homegrown guys? That again, if if you looked at that group, even going back to a uh, uh, Chatwood, who I know they got acquired in a trade, but Tyler Anderson, Chad Bettis, John Gray, all those guys with the the current crop with with Freeland, Marquez, who. Again they they still developed even though he wasn't originally a rocky Sensatella uh and now now Gomber this idea that they maybe can you know cultivate these players either because they're at ballparks that are you know very homer prone you know Albuquerque isn't very much different than Colorado Springs so it's not as if they they did much there and and Lancaster was more of a homer prone ballpark Fresno i don't I don't think is you know quite as much but in general do you think maybe they've somehow figured out this Secret, whatever it is, maybe not to turn to out all stars because Marquez is the only one, but players that are in a general sense, a number three starter. If you have an entire rotation of number three starters, things can turn just the right way for you to sneak in to the postseason and, and grab a wild card, which now may be 17. <laughs> there, there might be right. four or five wild cards at this point. But, but it, do you think maybe they've, they've kind of found the, the silver bullet in, in some way?
2: Well, Dick Monfort was lobbying for 20-team playoff brackets. So I hear, but anyways, <laughs> that was just a sidebar. Uh, I don't think they found the silver bullet, Patrick. I don't think they figured it out, but I think they've learned a lot in what 28 years now. Um, I mean, you go back to kind of their strategy at the turn of the century and the disaster with Mike Hampton at all. Like, okay, and they blew it up. They said we got to draft and build, especially with pitchers. Well. Yeah, it's it's hard to hit on an ace in the draft, you know, and I don't think the Rockies have ever had the number one pick. Correct me if I'm wrong. They have not, no. Yeah, yeah. So they've never had the number one pick, which that also helps if you're trying to get an ace in a certain draft. But, uh, you know, the Airman Marquez is, you're not going to hit on every single time. That's that's a rare hit. But if you can you can get an Airman Marquez every – 10 years or so every 10 drafts or so and then like you said pair that up with a bunch of projectable mid-rotation starters i.e senza i.e kyle freeland right now and then looking forward i.e you know Jaden hill i know he hasn't thrown a pitch yet because he was drafted coming off tommy john surgery but he's a guy that fits there chris mcmahon is a guy that fits there ryan rollison's a guy that fits there i mean basically all their top starting pitching prospects None of them are uh Mackenzie Gore project. He as an ace kind of guy. Um, they're projecting as mid rotational guys, but you can get a bunch of those. You can get a bunch of John Gray's John Gray for all his issues and for all his ups and downs in this time with the Rockies turned out to be a pretty darn good pitcher. Pretty darn good. Three, two, three, four starter. Um, Rockies could have some, you know, but that, it just puts a lot of pressure on their draft Patrick every single year. I mean, Bill Schmidt and Co. Now and whoever it is in the in perpetuity going forward, I imagine it'll be a Monfort at some point. I, I would put money on it that a Monfort is a GM one day in the near future, ten to fifteen years, maybe, maybe even sooner. But it just puts a lot of pressure on the draft. To my point, I mean, if you're the Rockies, you can't afford to miss in the draft on pitchers anymore. You just can't.
1: How many Especially more? Mom- yeah. How many more Monforts are there out there? I mean. Uh, i think there's only the two but i feel like there should be like a hunter monfort i feel like would be maybe an archer Monfort, a riley Monfort. i don't how many are there, are there i more only working?
2: know i only know of walker and sterling within the rockies organization so and i think maybe Man. earlier i said brothers it made it sound like there's like a whole tree of them but those are the only two i know of in the organization I think he might have more brothers. I'm not, I'm not sure. Don't quote me on the, the Monfort family tree, but I mean, to my point when you got two of your sons in the front office as Dick Monfort, I mean, there, there's all these questions we get on Twitter all the time and the Rockies mailbags is Dick Monfort. What will he ever sell the team? What's going to, no, it's not going to sell the team. No. This is his like family heirloom and also now his business. Like, all these other billionaire owners have all this other jazz to keep them wealthy. This is his primary business and moneymaker now. And you talk the addition of everything else he sunk into it with McGregor square. We discussed, he's got two sons in the front office. It's, it's a clear line to the future. Like this is going to be a mom for family heirloom and yeah, there's drawbacks to that, but there's also positives to that. having that sort of stability at ownership for the rockies see the broncos mess in the last few years
1: yeah and and i think it makes some sense some of the comments that he's made in these negotiations because for him it's not an investment it may have been at, at the onset but for a lot of owners of teams it's an investment turn around and you sell it you make some good money hey great He's not doing that. So he really is concerned about those finances. And yeah,
2: it's not a toy for him. No. It's not like a cool little thing to manage while you have your like conglomerate of billions and your other companies or investments or whatever. You know, like, yeah, he's a cattle guy turned baseball owner, and this is his business now.
1: That's it. It's the, the biography we called Rawhide, the biography of Dick Monfort. With That's Kyle Newman, you're you're gonna help him co-write it. Actually, you didn't know that.
2: forthcoming from Dnvr Press.
1: That's it. I like it. I like it. Well, we'll have to, If you buy a book, we'll throw in something from the Colorado Flag Collection too. So it'll it'll be a team team effort here. You when when you said like, hey, careful what you wish for as far as ownership changing hands and stuff. It made me think because again, if you, if you look at it from a business perspective. When some of these, you know, ownership groups come in and buy a team, they can, they clear house right away. I mean, the Marlins did it. Uh, we, we saw tanking kind of, kind of hit an all-time rise. Did you, you and I have never had a conversation about that. What, what's your feelings on tanking? Do you think that either in, you know, the second half of 2019 or in that 2019, 2020 offseason they should have just totally tapped out and prepared for this future that we now see coming, or maybe, you know, should they have done it, after the 2010 season said, all right, 2011, 2012, they ended up having, you know, I think what they average 64 and uh, no, that's not right. My, my math is off. They, they were like 68 and 94. They averaged 68, 94 from 2012 to 2015. So they they had the record of a tanking team, except they weren't actively tanking. Do you, do you look back and, and think that, you know, maybe they should have done something like that, or do you? I guess I don't know. Have maybe some modicum of respect for at least putting out a a moderate to to good or fledgling baseball team rather than totally saying, you know, what our goal is actually to lose and be bad.
2: I like to practice doublethink when it comes to taking because I really have believed both sides of it to be honest. Like on one hand, that like I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want. Tanking like tanking bad for the league. It's bad for competitive integrity And it's bad for the city that it's happening in and the fans that are being subjected to minor league crap, you know but then again like You're like well, but well, look at the Astros look at the Rays like look at some teams that have tanked not just in baseball but other sports and it just like cashed in you know like okay just a few years of suckery and a winsome world series. I mean, it doesn't always turn out like that, but when you see what the Astros did, the Astros of course are incredible. I mean, turnaround, like from the multiple hundred loss seasons to multiple hundred win seasons. I mean, that's the outlier I'm sure, but yeah, I, I just have mixed feelings on tanking. So to give you a more straight answer, I wouldn't have wanted to see tanking in Field. I, I don't want to see the team I cover the, the, the teams in my city tank. That just doesn't sit well with me because also I don't think they do it that well. I don't think the Rockies would tank that well because part of tanking too requires like, you know, adeptness and free agency and and like filling some of those other pieces that you also get with the tanking, the top draft picks, et cetera. So I don't want to see the Rockies tank. I don't think that they would be good at it. To be honest. I mean, you go from a draft and build philosophy to tanking philosophy, I don't think Bill Schmidt could swing it. I don't know. Maybe Bill could prove me wrong. But also, it is hard to see, like you mentioned, that stretch before they finally found their footing and got to the playoffs for back-to-back seasons for the first time in franchise history. They might as well have been tanking. I mean, they were bad enough. So in that respect, you know, if the Rockies this year are down the stretch, they're out of it. And if they're up towards the top of the draft board, I mean, I don't think they will be. I think they'll probably be – Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve again, probably. But hey, why not call up some guys and maybe put some younger guys in? I mean, they, they did do that at the kind of at the end of the last year, but it's never been really tanking for them.
1: Not not officially, yeah. It's not officially, it's weird, yeah. like you said, the double thinking. You go back and forth and say, well, left to their own devices, outside of two thousand seven, not a lot of success. So okay, <laughs> hey, here's a strategy that is essentially proven to work at least to a degree. And all right, Cubs maybe haven't had the exact same success as the Astros still won the world series. You know, Phillies, I think are, uh, didn't do a very good job of that, but uh, we're actually, no, they didn't get to the postseason at all. Atlanta did it and it's kind of work. It it worked out for them in in a general way.
2: Yeah. But let's, so to your point though, Patrick, you're right. Let's, let's review here. 29 seasons of ball zero division titles, yep. five playoff appearances, um, all of which came via the wild card, obviously. The one pennant, which came via the baseball gods, let's be honest. So why the hell not? What do you got to lose? Like, three, three decades and you ain't done nothing. Might as well try something. I don't that's, know. That's, that's, that was that's my hard. thought
1: of like, yes, you should absolutely do that. But then somebody did make the point kind of that you did. You go you still need to have the right people in place to do it. You can't just yeah. fall backwards. You really have to have a full commitment to it and really be able to look almost 10 years down the line. And you, you've got to play it that way. So if like they would Patrick, have just, yeah.
2: Would you trust a team to tank that is like last in baseball and analytics and doesn't even have their act together in analytics? You kind of need to know analytics to tank, just my opinion.
1: Are you saying the Rockies would, would, would hey the Rockies are rockying. They're tanking and they end up having an 81 win season. <laughs> they, go, they go 500 go. No, what? We're supposed to be getting the first pick. We're supposed to be getting yeah. Andrew Jones's son in the draft. What are we doing that? You're right. That is the worry. And you go, ah, you know what? It just kind of is what it is. All right. Finally to just kind of wrap up when this lockout does end and, and we start the 2023 season. Uh, what what, do you, what kind of moves do you think the Rockies may make? Do you, do you think they're going to, I'm not going to say follow through on their promises. They haven't necessarily made any promises, but they seem to have a lot of interest in people. And, and there's so much that we don't know. If you just had to go with your gut, do you think they will at least acquire one notable name out there in free agency, or are they essentially going to stand pat and maybe just try to, See what's out there on a on a short term kind of deal on on a one year deal that's hey, nobody else wants you yeah we'll we'll take you on a minor league contract
2: my guy is they do a couple guys on minor league contracts, kind of prove it kind of deals, yeah um who maybe are washed up or left in the mud after the free agent frenzy that's going to follow when this lockout ends um kind of like c j Crom was last year, the minor league deal morphed and you know proved it, got the big league deal, and then Bill Schmidt resigned him to a two-year deal right after the 2021 season. Also re-signed Senza five-year extension. I give that a, a thumbs up as well. Hopefully Senza can bring some stability alongside Marquez to that Marcus to that relation to that rotation here for the next few years. But to answer your question, I do think they make maybe one big league signing for a multi-year contract. Not not anything huge. Let's not go Ian Desmond on us. You know, five years 70 mil for a guy who hasn't played the position you're signing him for not that you know but maybe uh i don't know an outfielder for a couple years power hitting outfielder kyle kyle schwerber type two years 20 million two years and 25 whatever it is um beyond that i don't see him making a ton of splashes but i would be surprised if they didn't make at least one notable signing in the free agent frenzy and binge that's going to go on here
1: so if i if i can read between the lines if they do sign Schwarber for something like five years, seventy or eighty million dollars, he won't be playing shortstop. You'll, you'll, they'll keep him out in left field, maybe.
2: Oh, they might put him at first base, you know, and then move Kron to short field to or to shortstop or to shortstop.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> or they'll just call up Ezekiel Tovar and they'll just skip him over, double AA, A, triple A, and just call him up. The Ryan Feltner experience.
1: You you may need to you you may need to let people know you're you're kidding about that because people will get very excited to think about that those next generation yeah. guys coming up sooner than later. No, he's
2: yeah Ezekiel Tovar is not coming up for several <laughs> years, but he does have sure. the potential to be the Rockies shortstop of the future. So let's manage the hype. Yeah,
1: that's right. That's right. Kyle Holder, Alan Trejo, starting shortstop for the Rockies in 2022. Do you think we see them either one of those guys? on opening day, or is that one of those spots where you got to get a veteran maybe on a a minor league deal?
2: Yeah, I think you got to get a veteran on a minor league deal, or you could just, I know it sounds crazy, try Brendan Rodgers there. Brendan Rodgers, for the record, is not happy about this, like, oh, we don't have a shortstop? I thought I was a shortstop. And the Rockies like, oh, no, no, you're you're second base. You know, it's like the awkward moment the first day of Little League when B-Rod's like, oh, you know super talented uh true story he's out of town now now uh now it's my turn you're like no 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 second base second base because i think that's what's going on here they don't believe in him as a shortstop truly like they obviously but, i mean there's there's concerns for whatever reason about his defense and, and perhaps they're valid but i say you got to give him a shot especially if you don't have anybody else to start this season give him a shot or yeah bring in a guy on a an established veteran on a minor league deal or a one year it deal and, and let them compete and maybe share time. With
1: yeah, no, that that's a, a perspective. I hadn't thought about it from, from where he's standing. Cause I think you understand uh, again, Ryan McMahon is the guy you go back and look and say, maybe what could have been if he wasn't jostled all around the infield. And even still, he hasn't had a full season at his somewhat natural position of, of third base. We've still right. yet to see that. And so, you're gonna do the same thing to, to Brendan Rodgers again, but he's gonna bet on himself and say, No, not only can I do the defense, but I can continue I can continue to make progress offensively like I did in twenty twenty one. You're right, he's he's gonna bet on himself and he should.
2: Well, and it's if the Rockies will give him a chance to, you know, I, like the bottom line is he sees himself as a shortstop. He always has. And and in the last couple of years, the Rockies have kinda of like changed their mind, it seems on him, and they see him more as a second baseman now. Uh, where that leaves him at shortstop in 2022 is anybody's guess. But we all know Trevor's story. He's going to sign elsewhere. And, that, and that's going to be quite a bidding war between the teams that are interested in him. Once this lockout ends, I'm, I'll am be interested to see how quickly he gets scooped up.
1: And I, I think he might even get more than was originally projected, especially yes. with, with the, with the CBT and all that tax business you go, well, Carlos Correa, we know it's gonna be $300 million. So this it, it's like the housing market in Colorado, you see the sticker price and what it's worth and you go, well, you got to be a little more aggressive. I can at least afford that. And I can go over that asking price. So they're going to go over on Trevor story because he's the bargain versus, you know, the Mansion in, uh, in Carlos Correa. Yeah.
2: You, you know, Trevor Story's on the market here in the Denver housing market. He's a house, he's 600,000, you know, families going to look at it. They're going to have to bring seven fifty cash to get them right there on the spot you know, and if he was a house on I mean, the Denver housing market, but yes, I agree with you. His, the fact that he's not quite the crown jewel, of the sh- stacked shortstop free agent class, but he's still at the top and very signable. I mean, he's not going to sign with the Rockies. So who knows where he lands? It's not going to be the Rangers, obviously whom he was hoping for. They got Corey Seager. So their shortstop issues are solved.
1: Yeah. Well, it it wasn't until that great analogy uh, that that you, you rolled with with story and and the housing market that, that I decided you know what I think we might have to have you back at some point Kyle this is great. this has been been a lot of fun uh, you're on the you're at the Denver Post I mean people should already know where to find you what about on weekends uh, playing in the adult baseball circuit where can can people go and, and boo you or, or root you on if they're a big you know cutthroats cut fan.
2: Yeah, Colorado Cutthroats is my 25-and-up Woodbat Men's League team through Denver-Nava, which is a pretty damn good competitive men's league around here. Now, we're not in the top league in the state, but one, we're one of the top leagues. The 18-and-up league, there's some dudes. There's ex-minor leaguers and everything. My league is mostly uh, you know, ex-college players, mostly like Division II, D1, uh, lower D1-type programs. But we play at Thomas Jefferson High School as our home field shout out coach graham bond uh coach of the thomas jefferson high school spartans because he's on our team he's uh, one of our pitchers closer shortstop also and we, hey we won the league championship last year patrick okay wow. so april 3rd thomas Jefferson. schedule's not out yet so i don't know the time but we won't be locked out we'll be at thomas jefferson playing ball for opening day so Love check it. us out on sundays throughout the summer and a hey, Colorado Cutthroats at CO underscore Cutthroats on Twitter. You know, give them a little
1: fun. I love that, and I imagine you—you you probably, you might even play second base or center field because, again, all of the writing that you do for the Denver Post, you got to have those hands on the keyboard. We got to keep you safe. Is that—are you somewhere in one of the corner outfield spots so that no, you know, actually, okay?
2: I'm a catcher. I'm the catcher on the team. Really? Yes. Do, well, do, I, do you, do you I do have to play any outfield?
1: Do you happen to have any stories about uh, any collisions or interactions at at, at home plate that you want to share with? Come on. You you know what Uh, I'm getting at. I mean, I'm still still amazed. You still have the scar, man.
2: Oh, okay. So that that wasn't while I was on defense, but I did a couple years ago. Yeah, a couple years ago. I think it was 2019, the home opener. So I was supposed to cover the Rockies home opener, but I had a cutthroats game in the morning. So I'm like, yes, this worked out great so my first at bat i walk i get on base and i took a lead guy guy up next hits a line drive right to the first baseman who snares it so i'm kind of like off base i'm about to get doubled up i dove back into the first base to try and get there before he tagged a bag and he stepped on my hand cut it open needed eight stitches you know my gate my day was over at the diamond but then i had to shoot my hand up and go cover the rockies writing one-handed on my keyboard, like doot, 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 just like pecking at my keyboard and in just so much pain. And of course, as you know, they don't serve beer in the press box, much less food. So it was a lot that night, but it was a great day of baseball, I'll always remember. And I do have the scar on my hand still and the reminder of I'm getting old, I should probably just let him tag me next time.
1: That's it's such a good story when, when you got through all the details. And you it almost hit an artery too, didn't it?
2: Yeah, it nearly nicked like not an artery, but like a vein in my hand, which would have been like I would have had to have like surgery on my hand. And if it had gone a little lower, like another millimeter lower would have gotten the tendon. So like I was very lucky to just have like a gaping wound on the top of my hand as opposed to having hand surgery oh, yeah, sorry, guys, I can't cover the game because I got hurt playing baseball. I actually can't cover any games for a while because I have one hand. So, yeah, oh, boy, and the Rockies, they did not believe, I came in with my, of course, my hand's all bandaged, and like I'm like, hey, do you have a minute to talk? You know, before the game, work in the clubhouse, shaking with my left hand. Finally, DJ Johnson, the reliever at the time, goes, yo, what happened to your hand? I was like, oh, and I explained it to him. He's like, yeah. Uh, Is that really what happened? (laughs) Because it looked like, it looked like, because I had a cut right on the top of my hand on the center of my knuckle that I got in a fight that I punched something or someone or maybe punched a wall or punched glass and cut my hand. That's what it looked like. So a whole story about how I got doubled off and was diving into a (laughs) base. Drew Goodman was like, oh, yeah. Uh, Like, he, like, literally scoffed at me. I was like, no, 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 Drew, 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 come here. And he just (laughs) He just walked up and said, Yeah, I don't
1: believe that. You know, we also had a black eye. So I think that was why we were suspicious. Uh, No, 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 we're just, that was the other guy. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That I I will not forget that, that day that I was like, Oh, something went down here. And yeah, you, uh, you toughed it out though. You, you were there for the whole thing. You got it done a little, little hen and pecking a little bit. You you hump slunched, uh, slouched over that, that keyboard. I, I was impressed though. You, you got it done, man. You did
2: anything for hardball, you know?
1: That's it. True, true fan. Where can people follow you over on uh, Twitter with your blue check mark?
2: At Kyle Newman DP.
1: Love it. At Kyle Newman DP. I'm at Patrick D. Lyons and all our great Rockies content. At DNVR underscore Rockies. Remember, only 50 cents for your first month at the DNVR.com. This has been a lot of fun, but you know what they say about momentum? It's only as good as tomorrow's podcast. I'll talk to you then. Our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group have taken great care of all of our DNVR members over the years, especially those who've made the permanent switch. Now, when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam with them, you're going to receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group, located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver.
0: Dear sports fans, elevate your game to the next level with a Toyota truck. Drive the crowd favorite Tacoma.